0: Hello, and welcome to the increasingly ironically named 3 and 2, uh, the podcast about battling for the wooden spoon of Brotherhood 2022, coming at you really quickly after the last episode, so we wanted to record whilst all the games are still fresh in our mind, and before we'd repress them back into the pit of shame. Your hosts tonight are Rich Nutter. Hello. Laura Bates. Hello. And I'm Matthew Ward. Uh, so... I think this does threaten to be a long one so maybe we just jump right in talk about we talked about what the event was last episode so if you'd like to know listen to the last episode otherwise very quickly it's a team event six players on each team there were 11 teams yeah 11 um which did make it a little bit awkward obviously um as we'll discuss during the episode but if we just want to jump in with some initial thoughts on the event itself, like how it was run, stuff like that. What did you guys think?
1: I thought it was very good. Obviously like you said, it wasn't ideal to have an odd number and I think there had been I didn't wasn't really very cited on this, but it sounded like the sort of run up to the tournament was quite stressful for the tournament organiser. But the actual event, yeah, it went really well. I don't think there were any sort of admin problems. And I think, you know, while it was a little bit frustrating to have a buy, they handled it as well as they could reasonably do mm. in the circumstances. So, yeah,
2: really good.
3: Yeah, I just, I'd echo that. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I guess we should say it's organised by Chris Tomlin, a.k.a. The Black Sun on Twitter. Um, he does this and Blackout every year, which is the kind of singles equivalent. Always based really great events. It was a shame that he had so many drops from this one. It was reorganised three, two, three times? Three times, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think, given the circumstances, it went as well as it could have, and that was excellently. Really, I had a mm. great
0: time. It was actually incredibly smooth. Like the the pre-run up, you guys weren't in the captain's chat WhatsApp group that I was was a hell of people dropping, people not being <laughs> able to find players, like incomplete teams, scrambling to find people, uh, literally right up till the day before. Uh, so, given that, the fact that we finished like half an hour early every day was pretty impressive. Yeah. No long <laughs> days. So, finishing early is definitely appreciated. Yeah. Uh, no long days. Rules queries dealt with really quickly. Even on the day, like people were bringing up uh, how the, his scoring system would work with the battle plan that's just instant win, because obviously that slightly impacted on that and it hadn't been discussed in the pack, but he sorted it in like five minutes. So, yeah really great yeah I th- think before the event Chris did seem like he was probably never going to run another AOS event after this and his previous blackout had been like devastated with drops but after the event he's announced there was going to be blackout 2023 so I guess it went pretty well overall yeah yeah that's good to know it, it was hosted in the new firestorm venue which I mean Richard had been to before but I don't think anyone else it. Which is a pretty great venue, right? I know some of you are blessed with uh, great London venues, but for me, a little yokel boy out in the southwest, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's really nice. Quite good light, where, you know, it's mm. not one of the sort of gaming venues when you're just in a dark pit all weekend which was good my only complaint and this is going to be an extremely pedantic one is that they didn't have diet coke which is what i'm usually fueled by <laughs> when i game so instead i had to drink vast amounts of pepsi max which is much less good and made me sad um or, but i think uh, that that's definitely in the minor cribble category
3: <laughs> we really do not have time to get into a diet coke versus pepsi max debate on this podcast but i have <laughs> thoughts
0: <laughs> i um, would also um, like to raise that the tea or coffee machine broke every day
3: yeah, that tea or coffee machine has been in Firestorm as long as I've ever been to Firestorm, so mm-hmm. 2017 probably. Nice. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's 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 sort of still pumping out coffee, but it it did take like... about five minutes to decide my coffee had finished on Sunday morning, <laughs> so it was a bit concerning.
1: I feel like we need to say more nice things about it now that we've just picked yeah. up on some really really minor points. It's got a really oh. good shop and the tables were really good, and there was a lot of space, and it was just a nice place mm-hmm. to
3: be. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on one about the <laughs> the, the coffee machine. My bad. Uh, the shop is amazing. The space is amazing. It has a car park s- still, which is always good. Mm-hmm. If I had to give a downside... um you the location <laughs> Yeah, other than the coffee machine. Uh, the location's not quite as <laughs> quite as convenient as it used to yeah. be, but I think not that's, that people get on the train, right? Uh, that's an acceptable trade in my opinion for like how much better it is my my other downside is just oh my god cardiff has become expensive to yeah, visit. Yes. so uh, but again that's that's absolutely nothing to do with firestorm or chris so <laughs> mm-hmm. right
0: yeah. cool
3: should we, we talk about the event itself the games yeah. Should we mention the rest of our team? That might be we nice. We should.
0: We mentioned them last time, but we can give them one more shout-out. Oh we don't want uh, them to get too too big for their boots. So, uh, the team was myself, I was the captain, I was playing Lydon F. Deepkin, uh, it was Laura, who was the co-captain, is that what it's called? Coach?
1: Coach. Well, it coach. just meant I got to help with drafting, really. <sighs> yeah. And I was running Gargants with Kragnos.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we had uh Rich, who had last minute hobby wobbled his way all the way on to nighthorn, oh yeah, mm. first ge- first
3: game of the tournament, first game with the new nighthorn book. you can't make it up,
0: Gets <laughs> all that practice before went really well, mm. and then we had uh Luke, he was playing his maggotkin of Mergle, which was a kind of a Blessed sons, bit of everything build, which he probably had thoughts on. I've noticed that uh, post tournament, he's put them all in a in a cupboard, in a display so, case. Come on, in a, a display, display case. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed in a very and these are going away now, way. So maybe that gives you a little spoiler as to how he how he enjoyed that army. Um, then there was Chris, uh, not Chris Tomlin, but other Chris who was which may get confusing this round, so I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. he was playing Daughters of Cain again, new book. New book's not astonishingly different to the old one. He's played a lot of Daughters, so uh that was Marathi and the Stab Snakes for the most part. And then we had last but by no means least. It's not Michael. time. <laughs> you can
2: tell you're <laughs> solid <for> time. <laughs>
0: Uh, Michael, who was playing Stormcast Eternals, which is Chromdus, uh, some Formulators, and some uh, bows, basically, mm. uh, and then a very minimal battle line because that's what you get when you take those other units. So that was the team. I think we've all now played in a team event before, so this wasn't. Oh no, this is Luke's first time, isn't
3: it? It was. Yeah, it was yeah. his first it, time
0: in a team event. It was Luke's first, like, let's
3: say, national level tournament i think mm. he's done local stuff but yeah like his first big event i think he enjoyed it so
0: yeah i think well i hope he did he said he did so he's <laughs> lying to my face yeah, that's, yeah. you know you take it at face value indeed so uh round one we're up against team 22 uh which was i don't necessarily want to be rude but this was one of the teams we were probably in the battle for the spoon with And we knew that going into the event. So that's quite a nice round one draw. This was the team who did not have the full complement of six players. They only had five. So they had the spare player, which was either going to be Chris Tomlin, the TO, or one of the players from whichever team had to buy that round. And they were playing with a Gargan army that was three quarters supplied by team Rot models. So again, Quite a nice round one draw to be playing against our own gargons. Uh, That's good stuff. It's a bit of fun. Yeah. And also the three prettiest gargons in that army. So there you go. The Krakenita <laughs> in that army had seen um, maybe some better days. It was missing pieces, right? <laughs> it was missing pieces, yeah. Its hand had fallen off.
3: Rather than that, rather than a team dropping out, though.
0: So. 100%. Yeah. Um, so. I guess what we're going to do for this is very speed through any rounds or any games that are not astonishingly interesting, and then games where we have things to say, which is going to be our own, um, more than likely, we'll go into in a bit more detail. Um, so, who, do any of you have a particularly exciting match this round?
3: I guess I had the matchup that we were playing for, that we wanted, yeah. which is good. Um So, Nighthaunt, with their ethereal save and rend immunity, one of the things we'd identified that was potentially a good matchup was uh, New Beasts of Chaos. So, New Beasts have, um, like, escalating rend over the rounds, and that's one of the things that makes them very powerful, or Mm. way more powerful than they used to be, at least. And so, yeah, that was probably a good match for us. We thought, anyway. Yeah, we thought, and I, I think I'd stand by that, um... It was on tectonic interference, where you have Mm -hmm. the shifting objective, basically, uh, which is also good for me because it it limits the amount I have to be tactical, (laughs) which is good. (laughs) First round into a new army. Uh, So, yeah, this list was run by Dave, really nice guy, Uh, and it was heavy on Zangor and the Zangor Enlightened on discs. So I think he had Unit 6, Unit 3. And then I think he had a third unit of Enlightened as well. I can't remember if it was another six or three. And then a couple of characters sitting at the back, casting spells and sacrificing things. Some gores to be sacrificed. Um, you know, your classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, good this matchup in our Very similar
0: to a lot of the Beast of Chaos list there, which is all oh, yeah. the Enlightened on disc. Quite yeah, a lot we've got gone... very similar Beast of Chaos
3: items. We do appear to have shifted from Zeech armies full of Beasts of Chaos models to Beast of Chaos mo- armies full of Zeech models. Um, <laughs> it's a <laughs> Zeech gonna Zeech, I guess. Um, yeah, so we thought this was a good matchup negating getting the rend. Um, I gave away turn one, which I thought was a good idea because I wanted stuff to come forwards. He did move a bit of stuff forwards, but he literally kept the Enlightened like right on his backboard edge. Which is both screening units that I had in the sky, and also um, just like keeping them out of range of anything from the front. And I gave it away on my turn. I played for the double, so I like was quite aggressive forwards. Took a couple of objectives, got some score, but then I didn't get the bub- <laughs> the double. That's a classic mistake. But you know, you kind of gotta at least think about it with AOS. Um, so you played quite cagey. Um, we had some interesting and fun like activation wars with him obviously wanting me to fight near the enlightened before he fought with them so that they were way better that pairs interestingly with night haunts wave of terror mm. giving stuff fight last as well Yeah, it seemed like a fairly even grind end of round three thought i had a really bad round but then he took off a like sweeping handful of models to <laughs> battle shock because he can't inspire presence. And I went, oh, this is pretty good. Um, but he did some really good tactical play where he withdrew like the one remaining enlightened from two of the units back and then rallied low them back on fours, mm-hmm. summoned a cockatrice and the other monster whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Jabber life? Jabber life, think, the one that yeah. modifies the save characteristic, which obviously against Nighthawn is actually good.
0: Because- Does that work? I don't think that
3: works. Mm, It didn't come. It didn't matter anyway. I don't think it ever shot, but um, he seemed to think it would. Basically, that just gave him the headroom to win on objectives then. I Mm -hmm. will complain about DICE very briefly. Not in a, like, broad sense, but the shifting Mm -hmm. objective stayed in the same place for almost the entire game. Um, There was a point where I think if it had moved, I would have got a lead on points. I don't know that it would have made a big difference, but, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) It's, um... Yeah, like... It's, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I think, was I playing this like five games later with the army, I'd have had probably a much better chance of winning, actually. But okay. It was a really good game. They've played well. Um, yeah, nice opponent. Good first game. Not sad about a loss, really. I got three points. Mm. And they were the, well,
0: I won't spoil it, but they were important. <laughs> they were. <laughs> uh, so this round, as captain, there were two games I was really stressing about. As the round went on, like watching table states, because you can't really interact. All I can do is pat you on the shoulder and say, all right, uh, and look at the table state and think, is this good? Is this bad? And uh, yours was one of them, Rich. And <laughs> I think the other was Laura's, uh, if you have any comment on that. But you, you were too two giving me stress that round. Oh, the I others I could sort of work out what was going on. You're confused, Laura. Did you actually battle them, or was I just confused in the moment? I
1: think I think Chris's game went on for a lot longer and was a lot closer than mine. So you might be thinking about that one.
0: Uh, I think very early on in Chris's game, he gave me a look like I'm fucked. Uh, so <laughs> I mentally wrote that one off really early.
1: Yeah, uh, we can do my game next if you want, and then you can see if that rings any bells for you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I played a lovely guy called Gordon who had Night haunt. Um, I hadn't played New Nighthorn at all before and didn't really know much about what they did. So, it, but as we will see by the end of the first day of Brotherhood, I knew a lot about what they did. Um, so it was, yeah, I did not I didn't think it was going to be a great matchup because Gargants have a lot of rend, and obviously that they wouldn't have that. But on the other hand, Nighthorn was an army where I think the Gargants counting as lots of models for objectives is quite helpful. And the scenario was Savage Gains, which is one where my Kraken Eater can kick my home objective into the middle of the board and make it worth fewer points for my opponent and more points for me, which is very good. So I think <laughs> the scenario favoured me, certainly. So yeah, he had, what did he have? He had a Mongol, which I've never played against before. That was exciting. And then he had Raikonor, Kurdos, some Grimgast, some Banshees, and almost some other stuff that I can't remember what it was, but it was a sort of bit of a mix of quite a lot of different things. I think I probably gave him first turn and he didn't do all that much because he couldn't get to me. And then we just sort of pitched in and had various scraps throughout the rest of the game. So I think broadly I ignored, I ignored one of the sides and kind of went straight to try and get his home objective and then grabbed the objective on the other side. Kragnos killed the Mongol turn one, um, which was probably always going to happen, I guess. But it was It's nice what to it deserves. Kragnos doing something. And then my two big gargants just had big scraps with most of his ghosts. He did definitely have the damage to take them out. So I think my gatebreaker died. Maybe on turn two, the banshees in particular did very well. They were sort of very good at. I was, I was killing them, but never enough to wipe the unit. And then he'd just do things and bring loads of them back again, and they mm-hmm. put out a lot of damage. But I think they do. there was a key turn three was probably the sort of key turn. I think he failed a battle tactic to. I failed bring it down on one of my gargants, um, and I killed quite a lot of stuff. Kragnos had a really good game in this game. He just ran around the board and killed ghosts. Uh, so after that, I think it was a fairly comfortable win for me in the end, certainly on points, um, just because I'd been standing on objectives for a lot of the game. I ended up with quite a big win in terms of victory points. Uh, and I think it was... I think I don't think I denied him his grand strategy, so I don't think it was a twenty nil in the team score in terms, but it was a reasonably comfortable win. It was an 18-2 Okay. I'm looking at. at least I thought it was reasonably comfortable. Obviously you did not think the same looking over my game. I,
0: <laughs> I think that's one of the things is it it without the ability to like have an in depth conversation with another player, sometimes it can be difficult from board state alone to ascertain Yeah exactly how well it's going. I mean, sometimes it's really obvious. So, like, um, the table behind me was Luke playing up against Lumineth and about 45 minutes into the round, I looked over at the table and his whole army was in their deployment zone and there was about three models left in the Lumineth army. Um So that, I had a pretty good idea, was probably going to be all right. Uh, but yeah. sometimes when it's like, especially with maybe Gargans, when you're down to two models, you had, like, two models left and one was, like, way over... In the middle of nowhere, and it was like, is that good? <laughs> yeah, is no, that... I can see that.
1: Actually. Yeah, I think one of my megas did die quite early. No, The other key moment of the oh, game that yeah, yeah. I do want to mention is that my Krakenita had a turn when he managed to scoop two spirit hosts into his net, which required rolling two sixes, <laughs> and it was very funny. Um, That's quite impressive. It was quite late in the game; it didn't really affect anything, but I enjoyed it. But yeah, it was a, it was a good game to start off the day with because it's always good to get the mm-hmm. win. But also, you know, my opponent was really nice, and it was quite a sort of Chilled, enjoyable game, which is always yeah. a good start to the
3: tournament. It is a good start. Excellent. How do you keep a ghost in a net?
1: Don't know, but his name is now Ghost Scooper. So, we'll oh,
3: that's amazing. Emergent
0: narrative. How go. was your
3: game, Matthew? Yeah, my game was interesting.
0: Uh, so, I was playing Power in Numbers, which is the sixth objective scenario where you can burn any objective, and I think the points are based on how long you've held it. So, there's some sort of give and take on how much you risk burning your own objectives, which is its quite a nice battle plan. They fixed all the old problems with it, so you can't burn turn one anymore. So there's some good stuff in it. I was up against the spare player, so Gargants. Uh, it was piloted for this round by Chris Tomlin. The TO. I had this matchup down as a bad loss <laughs> on our planning the spreadsheet, and I noticed looking at... We did a little bit of very basic analysis on our pre-tournament predictions versus what actually happened afterwards, and I realised I drafted myself a predicted bad loss in every round. Oh, <laughs> so, you're just taking one for your, your teammates. That's good captainship. I think this round when we were drafting, I think I said, this scenario is good for me, but actually I just wanted to play Chris. That's so fair. I drafted the matchup for myself uh, to do that because uh, I thought it would be fun. This was also the matchup. Oh, there was also a second ulterior motive. Was um, when we turned up to the hotel on the or the Airbnb on the Friday night, I realised I'd left my faction terrain at home. And normally I'd have taken the L on that one and just lived my life without a boat. But then on the Saturday morning, I realised that my grand strategy was based around having that boat. So I begged Chris as we deployed, if he could provide provide a suitable piece of terrain for me to use for the weekend, which he very magnanimously did. And everyone I played against later, I did ask, "Is this okay?" And everyone was okay, thankfully. Um, so that was good of him. That That's was nice, my yeah. that was my second ulterior motive uh, <laughs> in, in taking this matchup was to make my life easier, not having to go upstairs to beg him. This is yeah, this is quite an interesting one. So in our test games. Gargants versus Deepkin, I'd been absolutely battered. Just really struggled to kill them and had my army removed very rapidly. So I assumed that something similar was going to happen. But obviously uh, Chris being the spare player had never played this army before and had announced to me during deployment that his plan was to just put it in the middle and see what happened. Um, Which is what he did. So this is really... Weird scenario for Guggins. So, in a way, it's really good because battle line counts. Uh, battle line counts ver- better than other models. I don't exactly remember how it works, but it I sort think of has you priority, have- right? Yes, battle so right. like yeah. holding
1: an objective. Nothing else can.
3: Yeah, if you have battle line on it, then mm-hmm. only enemy battle line can contest it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's good for him because his all of his models are battle line. They all count as twenty for capturing the objective, and I don't have a unit above ten. I think
1: he might have been Taker Tribe, so they might have. He was Taker Tribe,
0: yeah, he was. Um, So that is theoretically very good for him. The downside to him is because it's six objectives, he will struggle to hold them all um, against my army that moves very, very fast. And that's kind of what ended up happening. Is he ran his army forwards very aggressively? He gave me first turn, and I played it very boring. I just did some shooting, and the shooting was actually really good. Like I took eight damage off of one Gargan and. 10 off of another, like I did but a little bit of chip shooting from Sharks and Reavers, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, that's decent. I didn't really move I just kind of shuffled around uh, expected him to run at me. So, but essentially what his plan was, was to move up into the middle turn 1, then turn 2 gamble on the priority, fight my army, take all the objectives and just instantly burn everything and win. Uh, <laughs> that was his plan. So he... Moved everything in his army up. He got one charge off and killed the Reavers, which is okay, whatever. And he was sat on one of my objectives, but couldn't burn it because it was still turn one. So he had, like, one Gargant kind of way ahead of all the others. And then into the turn two priority, he didn't get it. Um, So we actually had a game, which was quite nice. I don't really know how I could have stopped him doing that had he won the prio. Uh... I was deployed pretty far back anyway to try and stop him getting the big charges off early. Because if I'd deployed more aggressively forwards, he would have been getting lots of gargons in turn one. I'm not not super sure. Um anyway. Yes. It didn't happen, so we don't have to worry about it. So I used that prior turn to take off his gargan that he'd put into my army with a whole load of eels. Uh, and I did the usual thing of, like, really overcommitting with eels. But killed one of his gargants, so I had a big scoring turn. And then I think the important thing that happened here, that was the big game swing, was I put the Sharks really aggressively, ran them, because it was turn two, so I had run and shoot or run and charge. And I ran and shot them into his territory. And so at that point, whilst he is running at my backline, I'm doing the same to him. So he's forced to either... Lose his objectives whilst trying to take mine, and it's not a guarantee he'll take mine necessarily. He'll have one turn before high tide to try and take mine back, or he has to run back to deal with the sharks, which is what he did. So he runs his Kraken back to deal with the sharks. So he's lost a Gargant, he's ran one back, he kills the sharks with them, obviously, but his army is like super split up at this point, and he can only put the Gargants into me piecemeal. It's like the main piece of my army, and that basically is what loses him in the game at that point we go into high tide and um, I think I kill all but one I, I don't know I, I I do a bunch of damage to them I basically leave like two Gargants on the board one on three health and one on one and Ooh. then it, <laughs> yeah and then going into his turn uh it's still high tide and so my favourite moment in the game Ishran the Ishran Render kills a Gatebreaker Mega Gargant with his fish oh yeah that's totally normal <laughs> Just wow. slaps it, gives him the fish. Yeah, this game was good fun. I think I got the 20. Killing gargants gets you so many VP. And I had like two big scoring turns of burning objectives. The sharks for splitting his army up were really important. But the real MVP here was the little ally of ether wings I had, which I just jumped from house to house. Like I used them to screen the army initially from his shooting. But then I kept jumping them from terrain up the board towards his objectives, and he... You can't permit a gargant to kill three the wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they will still take your objective if you don't let them. So they were a thorn in his side he couldn't get rid of. So that was good fun. Nice. That was probably the most use they were for me all the weekend. But... That's how they should be used, really, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Mm. So I think the other results of the round was... Uh Chris, our daughter's player, played into Skaven. Yeah, his... this was go on, sorry. I was just gonna say
3: I don't know how in detail we wanna go about other people's games, yeah, but yeah. I was just gonna say that
0: uh his description of this game includes the phrase shot to shit.
3: So Yeah.
0: This one was weird. So, I think we can go into detail in on this one. Um well not detail, but just like mm. the Skaven list was weird. Uh, There's no storm themes. It was lots of weapons teams and like big blocks of clan rats and a vermin lord deceiver, which is you don't see it that often. So I think it was piloted by uh, someone I played at Owls, who I knew to be a pretty good general. Um, and I knew he was a Skaven player, so I assumed that there was reason behind the madness and it turns out that yes there was yeah i think we um, underestimated this list for sure yeah. not not the player necessarily but the list we looked at and couldn't make sense of but mm-hmm. yeah good. and unfortunately yeah chris's army doesn't like being shot and uh he got shot quite a lot i think he was still within his grasp like yeah he still chewed through clan rats which is what you have to do in this scenario but yeah yeah
3: it takes a while to beat out a block
0: of 60 clan rats on a battle line only objective, right? So. <laughs> uh, they die in droves, but yeah. And then Michael lost 20 0. I can't remember who he played against. He was playing against. Soul Blight, uh, I think. Soul Blight, right, yes. Monster
1: heavy Soul Blight.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, that looked like a rough one. It was like Manfred Neferata, Prince of All Dry, who's a special character, Zombie Dread. And a uh, Bengorian Lord. And um, I think he just ran it all up super quick and just outfought him, which is fair enough. Sometimes that happens.
3: Yeah. Um, and Luke played against uh, LRL. Yeah. LRL, yeah. we've already mentioned, basically just tables to opponent so, really quickly. Yeah. So five at wards are good. Who knew? Turns out, who knew? Five at wards and disease yeah. rolls are good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like uh, it's what you said last time, right? Your opponent has a really bad time whilst they take your army off the board. Yeah. 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 So this round, we got a very narrow win overall, I think. We went 3-3 three three in the games, but the wins we had were bigger, and the losses we had were smaller, obviously. So like Rich said, that 13-7 uh, loss, those three points, actually ended up mattering for the round win overall, which is very good. So I think we got two max wins and one pretty big win, and they only got the one max win, so... Which, yeah, looking at our predictions, I think that's pretty much maybe how we... We maybe thought Chris would have done better, but knowing what we do now, that was probably an error. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, that sounds like a very subtle drag of Chris. (laughs) Uh, No, I I think think it's more of a a drag on me. I know, I know, I know. know. I'm only only kidding. Yeah, that's uh, one overarching thing of the weekend, is walking back to everyone, telling them their matchups, and everyone thinking I'd bust them. <laughs> um,
1: just, you I think we did all right. I don't think I there think were we any rights when we completely okay. made a hash of it. I think we yeah.
0: okay. And you can't you the way the system works is you can't dictate every matchup. Sometimes you do have to pick the best of a a bad situation, and um, maybe sometimes your teammate doesn't agree on what the the best of that bad situation was. But well, uh, but it's a team game. It's a team game. Yeah. No, I don't think we did too badly.
3: I did say to you. I came over to you in round two to thank you for the bus ticket, but <laughs> I was probably being melodramatic. So, I think we well, all got s-
1: bussed in round two. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was a team, a team bussing. Yeah, shall we? So, shall we move on to that, or have you got anything else you want to say about round one? No, I think they were good, good team, good fun. I had lovely, fun with that game. all lovely. Yeah, it was one really good. Really nice say. opponents.
0: Yeah, yeah. we've played some of those before, like you yeah. say, but. Yeah. Uh, good uh Yeah, it was good to play against Chris in like one of his. F- He's not played a lot of AOS three. So yeah, I think going into this round was really weird for us because in Brotherhood in twenty twenty we had a very narrow first round win and then got paired into a team of uh, playtesters.
3: It was bad dice, right? Was it?
0: No, it was. No, um, it was
1: some of the face
3: hammer. Face oh, yeah. uh, hammer, sorry, yeah, 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 but it was it was a mix, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and then this round, uh, this year, twenty twenty two, we had a very narrow first round in, and we got drafted into some playtesters. testers. Uh, <laughs> there was some crossover with this team oh, and yes. that other team, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. So I doubt. They remembered us particularly much, but we certainly remembered that absolute battering we got in 2020. <laughs> so this is one we can maybe skip over, right? Yeah, I've,
3: I've not got many words about my game, other, but... It's,
0: so I think you know. we all lost pretty big. I think the only person to get any points out of this round at all was you, Laura. How did you do that?
1: Yeah, so I played... Mike with Nighthaunts. So it was my second game in a row against Nighthaunts. So I now had some idea what they did. Um, but yeah, I mean he Mike was just a better player than me and knew clearly had been playtesting Nighthaunts, I think he said, and knew them extremely well. <laughs> so he was very he basically his idea, his plan was he had everything in a bubble. He made sure I could only fight stuff that I was horribly debuffed against, and then when his units took damage, he rotated them out and replaced them with things that hadn't taken damage and then brought all his models back. Um, And he did that extremely (laughs) well and didn't make any bad mistakes that I could capitalize on. Um, And I definitely did make some mistakes. I think I made. there was a time when I took priority and I shouldn't have done, and then he didn't remove the objective I expected him to remove and instead removed one that destroyed my entire game plan. And he also did some very clever redeploy to um stop me getting a battle tactic at one stage i think so it was definitely a game and i think you know i was beaten by a better player who just knew his army very well and made good decisions but yeah mm. it was fine um it wasn't you know there was i didn't really ever think i was going to win but there was things i could play for i guess um and i think his grand strategy was prized sorcery which is keep all his Wizards alive. So mm. when it became very clear that I was not going to win, I concentrated on trying to kill his wizards and did manage to do that. So I got a point. That was quite. And that,
0: that really is sort of perfect team event play. Like you did exactly <laughs> the right thing in that situation. It ended up not mattering a job But you, the the yeah, yeah. you
3: don't know how the other games going while you're at your table, right? Yeah. So that's exactly yeah. what you should do. How about exactly. you,
0: Matthew? How was yours?
2: <laughs>
0: this, I think, every tournament I go to, I have one game where I'm like, "This one hurts." This is the one I'm going to think about, right? Like, this is the one I fucked up. Um, so that was this round for me. Um, I was playing Feral foray which certainly is uh, a battle plan that exists in Age of Sigma. It's fun. I was playing against Stormcaster. Oh no, sorry, it says Living City here. But it looks like there's quite a lot of Stormcast unit. Um, so this is pretty normal. i said say it's pretty normal living situation. It's a bit weird. So he had the little Black Ark Fleetmaster as his general. And uh, this is like a nothing hero, super cheap. It does two things, basically. He has an artifact that means when he's on terrain, it can't get shot. So it's very easy to keep that general alive, um, which... Potentially denies out an easy battle plan to some opponents, a uh, battle tactic to some opponents, which is a pretty clever play. The other thing it does is unlocks chariot of Chariots' battle line, which he had three of as his battle line. Then he had yeah. two units of Iron Drakes. I don't know why it was two units rather than one big unit, but that's how he ran it. And the hero that gives them extra rend. And then he had two units of four Forminators and the Stormcast hero with Teleport Flag the Who? Relictor? No. Oh. The Relictor's the priest. It's the...
1: The Knight Vexilor. The Knight oh. Vexilor,
0: that's wow. the one. I didn't realise he could teleport as well. He So the Vexilor, I think there are three different banner options for the Vexilor. One does mortal wounds. One is the new one, which I can't remember what it does. I think it brings models back. And the other one is one that once per game lets you teleport a unit. And that's the good oh, one. Right. Um, but that's key to making the list work, as he pointed out to me. So apparently, so obviously, the, the gimmick to this army with Living City, they have a command ability called Strike and Melt Away, which uh, is supposed to be your wood elves that you have loads of in your Living City army, shooting and then moving away from the enemy so they don't get charged. Uh, what it actually is, is fulminators appearing on a board edge, shooting and moving directly forwards towards you so that they can get a three-inch charge. Um, totally reasonable. Totally reasonable. Very thematic. Love it. Love that this this is in the game in 2022. Great. However, apparently lots of people play this wrong. So if you're a Living City player, please play this correctly. Uh, and it's the reason he had the Night of Exilor with the banner is that that Strike and Melt Away command ability requires a hero to issue the command. Even if uh, the unit can normally command themselves, like in the wording of the command ability, it says it needs to have a hero nearby to do it. So oh. actually, what the Vexler's is there to do is teleport himself next to the unit of formulators that comes on.
3: Oh, that's yeah. I never realised that. That's yeah, quite significant. Neither did I. Briefly
1: making me worried, I cheated horribly with my living city army, but I've only ever used that with <laughs> Death when he is a hero, so
0: we're okay. That works out. Yeah, it has a lot. This is a super cagey game. Um, so I think this is another scenario where you can burn objectives, but only in your opponent's deployment zone. And I've played against Stormcaster a lot in my life, so I spent a lot of time screening out all these deep strikes. And he had nowhere good to come in. And I chewed up all his chariots. I, had, I took one of his objectives in my turn two and burned that. And then I was threatening one of his other home objectives. So I think I was doing pretty well. He, because he couldn't get in anywhere good on his turn, two he brought on a unit of formators, sort of on the side, and you and shot a unit of my namatai and used that to get a move in onto a unit of my morsar guard. Uh, So he did kill that unit. There's not really anything more I could have done to stop that happening. (laughs) Like I'm screening out the whole board as it is. They've got a twelve inch move after they shoot. There's only there's only so much I can do to stop that. Um, But I. I done about as well as I could at that point, point. I felt I wasn't in control of the game, but I was in contention for the game. And then uh, turn three, turn four, something like that, um, I forgot to move a unit of Namatai, um, so completely my fault. There was no reason for me to do it, Um, but that left a gap in the back of my army, which he then brought a second unit of formulators in, because I did kill the first unit of formulators he brought on in response. So it was a Pretty, I think I traded up in points on that because I only lost the the um, Morsar. So that wasn't a disaster. It was a completely recoverable situation. He had to bring on his Iron Drakes in his own deployment zone because they were also in Deep Strike to deal with my Sharks, which he hadn't even fully killed. So like a pretty nice situation for me. But this second unit of Formulators coming in got like right into the total middle of my army and just like ripped it to shreds. So I just have a defense against that many Ren 2 damage 3 or damage 2 attacks. It just like blows through a whole unit, whatever it touches. And I think he managed to touch a couple of units with that first charge. That was still recoverable. I still had some army left, but then he got a double. And it was at that point totally over. I think I think I got tabled in this game. Oh uh, yeah. I had like a, a hunt, uh battle tactic, uh, a really cheeky deepkin one that did not come off, and in doing so also lost me my grand strat, so I got uh, zero points out of this round, yeah, much like the rest of the team. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's just one of those games where you're so pissed off at myself, but in that moment also you have to try to not be really visibly pissed off, because your opponent will think you're pissed off at them, but I wasn't. Yeah, uh, wasn't yeah, angry at yeah. him at all, He did totally the right thing. Yeah, so
3: that's annoying. Yeah. It's, learned, it's hard to, to not for that person not to feel like you're yeah. projecting that anger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my exactly. least favorite
1: thing in a tournament is when the moment when you realise you've made a mistake and you have to kind of pretend you haven't in case your opponent hasn't noticed it yet. Because my immediate yeah. reaction to noticing I've made a mistake is to tell my opponent exactly what mistake I've made and break myself for it. But yeah. if you're actually yeah, playing yeah. competitively, that is not always a good idea, and
3: I find that really hard. Yeah, it's difficult as well because you don't want to like even mm-hmm. if it's something you've gone past, and it wouldn't be like oh I. I need to not tell them about this just in case they haven't noticed where you uh, like don't um, it just sometimes when you acknowledge something, it can feel like you're kind of going, Oh, can we take it back even when you're not? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that can just make it a bit awkward.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it was a kind of a frustrating game, but you know, in hindsight, it's sort of an enjoyable game. It's not one of those things. I kind of just wish that army didn't exist. <laughs> I think there's yeah, like it's weird. There's a couple of archetypes that I just wish weren't in the game anymore. They feel very leftover from not even 2.0. They feel really like very early Sigma in how they play. Um, I just wish we could get those new books out and we could get rid of them. <laughs> Uh, and I will play another of those armies later in this tournament, so there is some foreshadowing for um... you. I should
1: defend Cities of Sigmar at this point because I love Cities of Sigmar. I'm so happy that book exists at least for the next six months or so. I feel like the problem here is Forminator's not Living City, but anyway. Yeah. I, I think it's a combination of
0: the it's a combination of the two, right? But yes, yeah. Other players that round, so I think Michael got a lovely stormcast on stormcast bit of violence uh, where he was playing against an army that had more of the better dragons than his I would be remiss not to point out that he also made a colossal mistake this round and I think he would enjoy me pointing it out in that when he deployed, he deployed his army assuming that his opponent's long strikes would be in deep strike so he wouldn't be able to shoot them turn one and then deployed his own long strikes on the board forgetting they could go into deep strike for the same reason. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, getting them murdered turn one. so Perfection. Good. Yes, exactly. Perfect. You live and you learn, I suppose. And then Chris played Deepkin, which we didn't really know what that matchup looked like, but I think the specific Deepkin army he played, it looks pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, it's just loads of shooting, which the daughters do not like, and models that can tank the Shadow Queen quite well with very high saves or ward saves, things like that. And I think he also got caught out by the auto-win conditions on this scenario, where basically he thought that you checked for the win conditions at the end of Battle Round 3, where in fact you check for the win conditions at the start of Battle Round 3. So if you end Battle Round 2 in a position that would be losing the game, there's nothing you can do about it. That's it, game's over. Which is a very short game, And, again, his opponent didn't necessarily do anything wrong by not pointing this out. And Chris is obviously playing a different game to him. It's kind of a a bad feel on that part. And also just this is a bad feel scenario in general, right? Every time they have tried to do this auto-win scenario, it has sucked. And it's not necessarily just that it's an auto-win, but it's a game you can lose having only played two turns, which is just, just... Crap iOS, yeah. right,
1: right. I basically had this happen to me at Brotherhood 2020. My opponent, mm. in, to his credit, had tried very hard to explain to me how the scenario worked, and I had not entirely followed. Um, and then I felt very silly for having just not known how the scenario worked properly. So,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because once you made that mistake once, you're never going to make it again. You will know exactly how that scenario works forevermore. But if the first time you get caught out by it is in a tournament, it is a bit yeah. of a bad feel situation through no one's fault it's just the thing that happens i guess
0: no yeah. it also it doesn't get used in packs very often possibly for the reason that everyone hates it the yeah. format of this particular event meant all the battle plans got used i think and some of them twice uh, yeah so i i played that one as well i guess we can mm-hmm. talk about that quickly i don't have a lot to say
3: on it but uh <laughs> i played ricky me who's like a really well-established tournament player has been for many years um he was playing Archeon, two units of Arangard, Sorcerer Lord, a Chaos Lord with the Arcane Tome, so they're also a Sorcerer. So the
0: classic list, and then some chapter yeah. screen. So, Control C, Control V, that into every other team in this event, Baros. Yeah, pretty much. Um,
3: <laughs> I went first, uh, moved some stuff up, tried to kill one of his screens, forgetting that it was Battleshock immune with the coach. So, left the coach in a position where I was like, oh, it's cool, it's going to be able to like reposition away and then it, it couldn't because it was trapped in combat. So <laughs> that was stupid. He went into uh, his turn one, did Archeon's, how oh, is it called? Dark visions or something where he knows what the variety is going to be.
0: Yeah,
3: um, I think oracular visions is reroll saves actually. Oh, it is. Shit, yeah. You're right. Anyway, did the classic filled Archeon up with juice, uh, knew <laughs> what was going to happen. Uh, charged his whole army forwards, at which point I was like, hmm, I think he might be getting a double turn. He got a double turn. After his double turn, I had nothing on the board, and two units of Blade Geist in the sky still. So I brought those down to try and score a battle tactic, tried to charge them onto his backfield objective so that we still had a game, but I only got one there, which meant um, going into round three, like, he won the priority roll, which chose to go second and deleted that objective, so he held all the remaining objectives, and I lost which is fair enough. Like he's a very good player. To his credit, for being a very good player, playing me, um, really polite, really friendly. Like w- never treated me with like derision or anything. Which I think is a credit to pretty much everyone we played, actually. Like an experience. Like
0: there was no like oh I'm actually was- derided.
3: No, but there was no like oh I'm scraping you on off the bottom of my shoe on my way to the podium kind of thing. It was just. Um, huh. Yeah, perfectly nice, like taken seriously. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I've got to say.
0: <laughs> I have no memory of who Luke played, but he got what? Uh, he
1: played Daughters, I think. He
0: played Daughters, and he, yeah.
1: And he did, he did get a 20-0 loss, but it was a game that went on for quite a long time, I think. Yeah. yeah. He, you know lasted in sort of elapsed time terms longer than any of the rest of us, weren't he? he had quite a good game, even if the outcome was still the same.
0: I think it was tight for a long time, yeah, and okay. just had the oh, yes, I remember, yeah, this really did go down to the wire, didn't it? Because we were all stood around watching it happening, and it was his great and clean one surviving an unusually long time, and then we all groaned as he picked it up, and we were like, oh, maybe he's moving it? No, it's coming yeah. off the board. I remember you turning to me and saying,
3: do Nurgle have a teleport? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's dead. Yeah, okay. I retract my he got battered. It, it looks like he did from the score, which is, I think mm. sometimes uh, the score system for this tournament, score, all sorts of score systems in iOS, it's one thing maybe it struggles with as a game system, is that the final score doesn't necessarily reflect the game that just happened and how close it could have been. Especially when, like, even with the ones that
3: don't have a built-in big score swing, if you have Hmm. a four- or five-round game that's really tight, it tends to erupt into a big score swing right Hmm. at the end when you, like, get a battle tactic, deny a grand strat, and get a final round of objective scoring all at once kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't... This is absolutely not the time to be trying to workshop what the solution to that is. I'm just going to ignore that I ever had that thought. (laughs) It's away. Expensive. So yeah, that was a that was a max loss for us. So the way this event works is that there was a cap on the lowest score you could get and the highest score you could get, just to stop teams either running away with a massive score, other uh, making them uncatchable, and to also mean the reverse couldn't happen and a team could not bottom out and be having absolutely nothing to play for in the last rounds. We we got what is known as capped, and then we had round three, which was. The Round where we played Eat Bats, which is, I think, the round we were all most excited to play, right? Yeah, love playing against Eat Bats, guys. They're all lovely. Hmm. So, again, Eat Bats was a team we played at Brotherhood 2020, and I think we pretty heavily outdrafted them then, and they heavily outplayed us. And this time, I'd love to say the reverse happened, but what actually happened is they outdrafted us and then outplayed us as well. <laughs> so. This was another round that I felt was uh, winnable for us. It didn't go like super badly, but uh it could have gone a lot better, I think than it actually did. But they are a very experienced team actually. And that yep. showed. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: They've got a lot of Warhammer in general and also AOS experience, yeah. so.
0: They also they were taking very good armies, so I think one of their players provided three of the armies that they were so they weren't just taking their own little hobby projects. They they were taking the tournament pretty seriously. Has anyone got an exciting game to talk about? I have a really unexciting game to talk about this one.
1: I had a really good game. I think mine was probably my best game of the tournament.
0: So oh, go for it. I
1: played Ollie with OBR. Um and I have an OBR army, so this was quite you know, having just played two games against the and I'd had no idea what they did. It was quite nice to go into a game and think, right, okay, I have a reasonable idea of what this army's going to do. So he had Catacross, two units of 20 Mortet Guard, I think, one supported by a harvester. Uh, He had, um, I'm forgetting all the names of things, the little hero in the chair and then the bone shaper. And he had Cain's Reefers. That's the one. And he had a unit of Death Riders. Uh, We were playing Power Struggle, which isn't a great scenario for me because it's five objectives and I only have four models in my army. But on the other (laughs) hand, it does support shoving all your models towards the middle, which is quite a good thing for me to be able to do. So I didn't think it was that bad. So broadly, my strategy was that I was trying to largely ignore his unit of Mortar Guard that was supported by a harvester because I know they're really hard to kill and go after everything else. So I think I gave him turn one and he pushed his stuff forward fairly aggressively. And then on my turn one, I think I got into something a small unit in the middle, like maybe the little unit of guys that come with Kanan's Reapers, so I took that off and then my gatebreaker charged his unit of Death Riders and completely fluffed it and killed one and a half, which turned so, out to be quite important because that meant he was sort of tied up and couldn't do the things I wanted him to do. And the Death Riders were able to retreat out and go and grab objectives, which was quite frustrating um but anyway what we ended up with was a really important fight in the middle between I think it was Kragnos and the Krakenita for me and then he had Catacross and a unit of Mortek Guard um and there was some quite tricky decisions about activation order because Catacross gets much better at fighting as he takes damage Mm. so there was a sort of question of did I just ignore Catacross try and leave him on high health, so we wouldn't be able to do that much damage and really focus on the mortec Guard. But I think what happened was when my Krakenita charged in, he did six Mortal Wounds to Catacross. So I felt, well, okay, (laughs) at this point, I've just got to go for Catacross. But what ended up happening was that I had a turn where I left Catacross alive on one wound, and I left one Mortec Guard alive, which meant I failed my battle tactic, which was to kill the Morteck Guard. And that was huge and quite frustrating. (laughs) Um, I think I was really scared of... I was too scared of Catacross in hindsight, because I think what happened then was I won the priority and I took it because I thought, well, I can just wipe those units. Whereas what Ollie thought I should have done and probably what I actually should have done was to give the turn away, at which point Catacross would have had one big turn of fighting into something and maybe would have killed Kragnos. But I think that probably wouldn't have been the end of the world. And then my other Gargan who was he's in not, that fight would have been freed up to go and do something. It's not
0: that fighty, Catacross. It really. But Craig, it's Craig a,
1: had already taken damage at that point, so oh, okay. he was definitely okay. very much in danger. But I think that would probably. I think in hindsight, Ollie was probably right, and I should have given that turn away. So what ended up f- happening was I'd taken out most of his stuff, except for his other unit of Mortec Guard but I was slightly behind on points. And so I didn't manage to get quite enough points out of the last couple of turns by running Gargants onto objectives and grabbing battle tactics and things to catch up. So it ended, I think I lost 20 to 23 point, victory points in the game, which was really close. And if I'd managed to kill that one mortec guard and gain my battle tactic, that would have been worth exactly three points. So yeah, it was a really, really close game. It was really, really fun. Um, Oli was a really good opponent. So, yeah, I was I was disappointed to lose because I think the matchup is probably slightly in my favour, though maybe the scenario is slightly against. But, yeah, really good game. Good.
3: Nice. It sounds like knowing the army really helped you sort of have a competitive game there, which I mm-hmm. think is like credit to owning a few armies and playing a lot with all of them. Yeah, nice.
1: It's a huge part of being good at AOS, is just knowing what what you can afford to chuck stuff into and what you have to be scared of, I think. It was really interesting watching people watching people's decisions on target priority against me, because I think some people were just like, I'd ignore Kragnos completely because I'll never kill him, and some people were kind of, Kragnos is going down first, which is probably the better approach. Mm-hmm. So it is quite interesting yeah. seeing how different people approach things like feels that.
3: It feels like a, a lot of people don't really know what Kragnos does, other than... Maybe oh he does a lot of mortal wounds and he's good at charging, and similarly with Gargants as well. I think speaking from experience, even though I've played them a few times now and kind of get it, you just kind of look at Gargants and go, "Which one does what? Like, what's the difference? (laughs) Like, they I just know they sit on objectives and I have to kill one at a time, basically. (laughs) Like, so yeah, I think like knowing that stuff and being familiar with your opponent's war scrolls can give you a really good boost. Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: I think the, yeah, like the biggest learning curve for me over the weekend was just like learning what six more Sargard can and cannot kill. Uh, and that is, for your decision-making, obviously quite important. Yeah, especially when they're a points investment, right? So. Yeah, which I can use to handily slide into my game, which would be Go quite quick. So I was playing um, versus John Williams with the Slave to Darkness list. The exact same the one. list. Yeah. <laughs> so John, actually, again, I played him at the last Brotherhood. He was playing poor Archeon then, and that game ended with Stormfiend's killing Archeon. So this was his revenge game. We were playing on the Vice. So this game is essentially summed up by um, my army can't kill Archeon, and we were playing on the Vice. So he won, <laughs> and that's kind of there's nothing really more no. you can say. It's basically, the trick here is because Slaves to Darkness, everything in his army is marked Zinch. and Slave to Darkness, what the, the Zinch mark does is re to save, which is a mechanic they've been carving out of every single other book that had it. You know, Nagash got his war scroll rewritten so he can't do it anymore, but for some reason, Slaves to Darkness get to keep it for the moment. I guess they have a new book coming at some point in the winter, so good riddance to that then. Um, but what that basically means is. Because he's got all these wizards, he's got Mystic Shield, he's got plus one save from the sorcerer as well, I think, separately. I don't exactly remember it's my Slaves of Darkness knowledge. Then he's got all-out defense, so he's got a very easy plus one to save and ignore Rend 2. My army caps out at Rend 2, so he is on a 2 plus rerolling once. I just can't kill I put, I think, 10 damage in on my high tide, and that was game. At that point, he just uh, chopped the rest of it out. And at the same time, he's got Vanguard running around at um, also, with access to save stacking uh, if they need it, also re rolling their saves. It's just uh, impossible yeah. to shift. Obviously, some armies will blow through that because he only has the four up save against mortals. I've but...
3: yeah. been chatting to John a bit
0: this weekend, actually,
3: at another event, and he's of the opinion, and I think I agree, that the real way you deal with that list is kill the Varangard. like Ignore Archeon. Mm-hmm. He is one thing that rampages, and you feed him a unit a turn to try and slow him down. If you did, the you're vice, playing right? on the vice, <laughs> but yes, the vice the vice negates that obviously. And my mm. reaction to that, thinking about my game round two, was like, oh yes, I will simply kill the uh, kill the Varangards <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> with 15 wounds from rend one ghosts. Mm. Mm.
0: Maybe not. And yeah. they're three up, three rolling ones. So yeah. I could have I could have done that, and I I did kill some um, but I would have lost the game. So yeah. It's yeah. Sort of the result is kind of here. I knew going in that this was an absolutely awful game for me, um, and I, I think I took it for other matchup-related reasons, but yeah. yeah that's fair. John's that? a lovely opponent, so he I'm is, sure he yeah, had a nice really time nice. while you were being I had a lovely time, as we both sort of mutually, very dimly remembered we'd played in the past, but yeah. <laughs> um, I also had a, a person I
3: played previously uh, a few times at a few different events, which was Jimbo. Uh, I really like the games I've had with Jimbo in the past uh, to the point that when we were doing matchups on this sheet, I wrote I don't think it's my best matchup, but I'm totally happy to play Jimbo. (laughs) So thankfully I ended up with that match. Um, You're welcome. This is a really good game. Uh, It was quite tight as well. So I was running into like a troops heavy Daughters of Cain list. This was a weird Daughters of Cain list that you can tell was like skewed for a tournament, like a team tournament.
0: No Marathi and like no. ninety witch elves, two gladiatrix, I think it was. Seventy witch elves, two oh, gladiatrix, elves. Okay. two hag
3: queens and the cauldron. Mm-hmm. So yeah, love playing Jimbo. Um his opinion on assist was I thought it, you know, it might be good with controlled matchups and I think he'd had sort of a middling time up till then. I killed all of his witch elves because a lot of them <laughs> ran away, not being able to do inspiring presence. He played well at the end. We said they're really, really experienced players, so he played well with the positioning of things and some like good use of character skills. Like the gladiatrixes can be really mean. Uh so he just like got double in turn four that let him do some good stuff and like secure. A points advantage that I couldn't come back from. I don't really, I won't say I don't remember a lot of this game, but basically, how many
0: points deep were you at this point?
3: Well, I I won't speak for Jimbo, but I know I drank more during this game than I did for the rest of the day, and I don't drink heavily at tournaments normally or at all. But I think that's testament to how much fun I was having. We were both laughing the whole time, catching up. So yeah, really, I lost, but really, really good game. Really enjoyed it. Good. And then, who else? Uh, Michael played. Played Corn. Corn? Was it Dan? I think it's Dan who was playing Corn. Mm. Um, which. Um, his comment was. Fucking Corn, I think. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, Corn so are another. They're quite a technical army again, and if you don't know exactly what they can do, it can be difficult to play into them. I think maybe Scarbrand happened this game. Yeah. I think I there think was a key was
1: priority role that yeah. Michael didn't win, perhaps, was his. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah.
0: If I had any comment on it's 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 very weird being a, a captain in these games. Uh, so if I had any comment on Michael's play over the weekend, uh, obviously he doesn't play a lot of competitive AOS, so like fair enough. Um, I think probably he wasn't aggressive enough with the Zan. I think he could probably have played it more aggro. We we played a a game between the two of us later where he did play aggro and had quite good success with it then, so maybe... But without seeing how his actual games played out, it's so hard to... Because he was saying, like, how should I be playing these games uh, during the matchups, but you just... It's so difficult to um, provide comments or feedback on that kind of thing, because you're playing your own game, you're watching um, five other games happening, you're only seeing uh, sort of these occasional snapshots of board states, so... Who knows? And then... Luke. Luke
1: played
0: oh, Stormcast Luke. Dragons, yeah. and I
1: think the Stormcast so, Dragons did their thing. He
0: lost a thousand points of his army turn one before he'd had a turn, and that was kind of that. I don't think he'd ever played against this army before, so this was Long Strikes and Storm Drake Guard, which is, again, the news recently is that there's a new JHB coming, so can we say goodbye to that army, please? in whatever format they see fit to get rid of it, uh, I will support anyway. But yeah, that was just kind of irrecoverable damage very, very quickly, I think, that happened there. And then Chris got R1 win for the round. He played the Gargant army that got second best painted overall.
1: And Judge's
0: best and painted. And Judge's choice, yeah. So it was really nice. Incredible Gargant army. Yeah.
1: It had a Gargant sitting on another Gargant's shoulders yeah, which I absolutely did. loved that conversion. It yeah. was so good.
0: So, incredible. Yeah, nice. uh, Chris's army, also completely gorgeous, and they had they had a matching style, but um, he, Chris has, like, they both have this kind of... It's not gray scale isn't the right way to remove, but it's very, like, grey and moody, Deep. but Chris has a red accent, and those gargants had a blue accent, so it looked fantastic on the board.
3: Yeah, both kind of desaturated,
0: sort That's of grey,
3: yeah. heavy, but with spot colour, like you say. Yeah, both
0: amazing. But so this was... The vice as well, and I think the comment for this round from Chris was that uh, the Gargant player tried to play the vice whereas what he should have been doing was just running at him. So he ended up doing the same thing Chris Tomlin did to me round one, which is having to feed Gargants in piecemeal, which is just absolutely all the Shadow Queen wants, right, is to fight Gargants one by one by one. Uh, So that's what happened and that was a max win for Chris. He said Gargants was pretty good for him going in and it Ended up being pretty good, so nice. Nice to see prediction meet reality there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely didn't for me. I think I had OBI down as an army. I thought I could beat them. And I lost them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like it was within your grasp,
0: though.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was a close. It was a as I said, it was a super close game.
0: Yeah, I think all of almost all of our predictions are vibes based rather than. Oh yeah. Um, based on any super we. I put in a lot of practice games for this event, but even then there's only so much practice you can reasonably do without playing Warhammer like constantly. So then yeah. we finished the day and had a was it a when did we end up eating? Like at ten o'clock. Oh, like
3: ten ten thirty maybe, yeah, yeah. Like Yeah.
0: I mean it was good. It, it was good yeah. pizza.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh shout out to the names of those pizzas. Thanks, Slizzer Pizza, um, Slizzer Pizza, including my absolute favourite, the one, one, two, three, five, eight. It's Fibonacci Pizza, which is <laughs> possibly the best pizza name I've ever experienced ever. So yeah, it made my Hawaiian being called the Hawaii Five O almost normal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh dear. So we going into round four. We knew match-up in advance for this one, and we knew that we had a buy. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, the choice here was basically one of us pilot gargants, uh, or we all just pair off against each other, which is what we did in the end, right? Uh,
3: yeah, yeah. I don't know how much we want to go into detail here, but I played the first in-person game of ARS i ever played with Chris, and as is tradition when we play, he smashed me. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it was really fun, and it was fun to put our armies on the table together, so...
1: I played Luke's maggotkin and did twenty-five mortal wounds to Morbidex, which was the only mortal wounds he did against the monster all weekend. But that was fun. Nice. Good. I'm not sure it was nice. fun for Luke. It was fun for me.
3: He was smiling. Doesn't uh,
0: matter if there's pain in the eyes or not. So both, both of you two paired off and played practice rounds against what the next rounds battle plans were going to be. Me I think and Michael picked
1: a random battle plan.
0: Uh, okay. We picked a a narrative battle plan out of the Deepkin book and played that. (laughs) So that was good fun. I will shout out to that narrative battle plan as being actually good. So most of them are rubbish. There's so, because we looked in the Stormcast book uh, and some of the other ones, and so many are like, stop your opponent running off of this table edge. And like, if you're Stormcast, especially, that's quite hard, (laughs) hard to impossible. Um, Especially against Deepkin. Right. Yeah. Um, the one we played was a scenario where he had to move the objectives off the table edge, and there were sort of slightly more complicated rules for controlling objectives. And the objectives were little crowds of civilians that I could eat, which is always fun. Uh, mm. And we just sort of pushed models together, and he smashed me off. It was good. Yeah. I had a laugh. I had a very nice intro game to the day after quite a intense day one. So it's nice to get... A, a more chill game in. I know some of us were praying for the round five buys we could leave early, but given that also, spoilers, Chris had a painting nomination, we probably couldn't have left that early because... Uh, no, no, we wouldn't have.
1: And you had a painting nomination. Don't do yourself
0: time. Ha- I, I had a pity painting nomination. That's not... It, it, hey man. They all look the same when they're up on those tables. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird situation, actually, because um, I love the way Tomlin runs his painting. I've said it before and i'll say it again i think his way of so you self-nominated displays so you put your army up to be looked at and then he judges which are good enough to be looked at for voting and i think he said the initial names and chris's name came up and mine didn't which is fair enough he then did like a walk around of everyone who was uh nearly around and said don't worry your army's still nice i really like it but i think there's always like gonna be controversy with this kind of system because there were Armies that got nominations that I thought maybe weren't quite as well painted as some that didn't, but it's always going to come down to personal choice at some point, right? And I think all that really speaks to is actually how good the painting standard was for this kind of event, especially because in the in the lead up to it, he'd waived the, all the painting requirements, bar like have your base done, right? Yeah. So yeah, once he started getting drops, I think he was desperate yeah. to keep people in the event, right?
3: Yeah. I think it's worth saying, like Chris. His like full time job is a commission painter and he quite mm-hmm. often gets input from Rob Ellis who yeah. of Pro Paint Cup um podcast and being an excellent patron converter himself. So I think, like you say, there's some personal taste, but I think it's never one where I felt any like doubt about the choices really. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've always trusted that, you know, he's making sensible choices. So
0: yeah, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair enough. But anyway, um the initial names got called out and then apparently one guy had told Chris that he wasn't going to win, so he wasn't going to bother putting his army out. So he asked me to put mine out instead. So, fine. I also know I was never going to win, because it's the same army that didn't win anything at Blackout, but with all of the centrepiece models taken away. So... when you put it like that fair enough (laughs) yeah um but who cares right it's just nice to put your models out and have people look at them that's sort of the point to me i think we're talking about this separately afterwards right but there's like two steps like different steps almost in the the painting and the competition like you can paint to get a nomination which is just paint an army quite nicely or or if you're painting to win that's like a whole different ballgame right you have to actually paint an army to win uh, yeah the painting awards that's Almost two universes apart. Like, yeah. You know. yeah. And I was thinking mine was just an army that was painted to be an army. Which is... So anything is always good. But Chris was painting to win. Uh, well, not Chris with his daughter's okay in army. So we were hoping he would. And I guess we'll come to that in the awards afterwards. Indeed. And then we go into round five, which is our last round. So this was the battle for the spoon. We were playing against Brotherhood Twenty's losers. Who team get fact? Yeah, this was it. This would decide the fate of Brotherhood, I guess.
3: They were, I think, was it in 2020? They were known as Go Fact Yourself. They were, yeah. You know, not sure on the reason for the name change. Yeah, yeah. the same pun in
0: a different format. Okay, beautiful. Endless. This was a Bristol crew, which I discovered upon hearing them speak. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. So. I guess I can go with this round because this was sort of the dark mirror game for me of my round one. So I was playing Gargants again in power and numbers again, which we'd said, obviously originally was a terrible matchup for me, but we'd discovered was maybe okay. So we took, we offered this to them and they took it. I think we offered this and daughters.
1: No, it was um, a Sun's Moor match against
0: oh, me. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to crack myself a Mega Yeah, I did. I also
1: um, wanted not to get the matchup I got. But never mind, we'll come to that.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I tried to psych them out by saying I'd won this exact matchup already. But they did not take the bait on that one to to go for the mirror, So I, I ended up taking the matchup. This is a very slightly different... One, so this was a breaker tribe, two gatebreakers, two war stompers. So this basically was like almost the exact reverse of the first game I played, apart from I still won it. So he gave me turn one again, and I did the exact same thing again, shuffled stuff around, shot things. But instead of running directly at me, he did exactly the same. Shuffled his gargants around and did nothing. He then took the priority into two and didn't move again. So just sort of tap-danced around his own objectives. I thought, well this is boring. So I pushed my army really aggressively forwards, like everything up into the mid-board. Uh, I'd done a fair amount of shooting into his Gargants, like spread across two of them, um, just because of ranges, and had one that was maybe just over half health, and I took a punt on a long bomb charge to try and kill it with more SAR, but um, didn't get it. So my plan here was basically win the prio, into High Tide, kill two Megas, win the game uh that I did not win the priority, so he then charged all of his megas into me. So this is basically the opposite of the game versus Chris, whereas I got to fight them piecemeal before this time I had to fight them all at once. But it was still high tide, so it was sort of weird combats, um why I got to bracket some of his megas before they could fight, which is quite nice. There's it's amazing lot... how much difference that makes just getting that bracketing off straight away. Yeah, they it? don't they don't bracket that badly, but it does it does help a lot. This was just a really weird game. We both had kind of just bizarre dice. Like i just repeatedly failed two plus to hit attacks, just put like nothing through. Um, but then we would fight me and I would roll like four sixes to save versus his like damage four attacks and stuff, and it kept units of fields alive that should have been dead. So just ridiculous dice on either side. Um and I think this game was one or two normal rolls or one priority going my way from being a 20 in my favour, um, but that did not happen. So we had to scrap it out to round five, which came down to, I think, just me scraping through battle tactics that he couldn't and bringing down a mega, uh, gatebreaker again with the fish from the soul Render. <laughs> <laughs> <It's an laughs> To Amazing fish. To get me a big Gargan score. So I won this game... Purely on gargant killing VPs, so there is the hunt having a pretty big effect. Yeah, so, I would have made I yeah. think I'd have I lost think... it by one or two VPs otherwise. Yeah,
1: none of my games got significantly affected by that, I think, but mm. I do think I feel quite strongly now it should only be one point for killing the <laughs> Gatebreaker and the Kraken Eater, yeah, not two. I think two is too big a swing given that gargants aren't right at the top of the meta anymore, they're sort of, yeah, maybe. I think I to up mid table, especially the Kraken eater. It's just not that good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. My notes on my turn four for this game literally just say, "I'm a cursed man," as I think I left two Megas alive on one wound, which is just incredible. But like I said, it was it was weird dice on both sides. So another one where I think I was doing the intensely unchic thing of complaining about dice whilst winning. Uh, oh yeah, which you just you can't do uh,
3: so. Banned from Warhammer.
0: Banned from Warhammer, which I did apologize for, but obviously you don't do it. Um, So that was a super narrow win to me. So it was, I think, a 15-5 in the end. So I won the game, but he won everything else. So that was interesting. I think he asked, oh, do you think I played that right? And I think he did, basically. Because the aggressive version... I got to play against as well and that went worse and it went worse because I could play around it a bit easier but alternatively if Chris had got the double in the previous game it would have been over very quickly so it's hard to say Uh, I think that's an interesting one in that this is a matchup where the actual matchup's not great for me but the scenario matchup is very good so that makes a big difference Uh, How about you guys? Go for it Laura
1: I had what I thought Correctly, as it turned out, it was quite a tough matchup against Crawl boys. So I'd never actually, I don't think I'd ever played Crawl boys before, but they have a huge amount of damage potential with shooting, which means that if I just stand on objectives, which is what gardens do quite well, my gardens are going to die very quickly. Um, so I was playing a really nice guy called Ashley, I think, and his list was, it was quite a nice mix of stuff. He had a unit of nine bolt boys. He had some a couple of units of Gut Rippers and I think one of Hobgot's. He had Gobsprack, he had a Sludge Raker, he had a Brute Trogoth, and he had the Killer Bow. So I went first because I felt otherwise I was just standing there and being shot at, so I just tried to get everything across the board as quickly as I could. I got two Gargants into him, turn one, with the help of big 3d6 charges from Kragnos, but I think... I didn't get Kragnos in because when I put the Gargants in, I didn't really leave a space for Kragnos. And that is possibly the one. Th- I mean, it would have been a big charge. Every chance he wouldn't have made it. But I think in hindsight, that's probably the thing I should have done differently is tried to get Kragnos in. Mm. Um, I had quite a good turn one, So I took off all the screens and I got one of the Gargants into the Bolt Boys and killed six of them. So then I had a moment of hope, but then on his turn, he rallied (laughs) back three of the bolt boys um, and it all went downhill very quickly. So I think he focused everything on my Gatebreaker and killed him and also put quite a lot of runes on the Kraken Eater. Then I won priority into turn two, charged in Kragnos, hoping to kill the sludgebreaker with his impact hits, but Kragnos failed me in Rodder 7, which means he does no damage on the impact hits. So I was still able to kill the Sludge Waker with Kragnos in the fighting, but his Marboot Trogoth spiked heavily and put a load of damage on Kragnos, which left him on one wound. And then mm. my Kraken Eater fell over on top of Kragnos and killed him because Kragnos oh does God. not have the Gargant keyword and so is not immune to Gargant's falling on him. So I ended up being tabled at the halfway through turn two. Um, That's incredible. It wasn't as bad a loss as it sounded. I think it was an extremely swingy game. We both had moments when the dice were huge one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think it was an unwinnable matchup. You know, if some dice, if Kragnos had done a whole load of mortal wounds to the Sludge Waker, that would have made a really big difference. And if he hadn't rallied back the Bulk Boys, that would also have made quite a big difference. But on the yeah. other hand, I had good dice with some charge rolls and stuff as well. So I think it's the kind of game I would probably lose sort of three times out of four, but maybe one time yeah. out of four. I think the dice cool go in my boys- way and it looks out.
0: Crawlboys are a weird army competitively because you probably won't win an event with them because they're very dice-based. But you can certainly make someone else have a bad time if your dice are very, very hot and it can yeah. be over very quickly.
1: Yeah, it was I enjoyed it. It was good. Crawl boys are an army that I was already kind of thinking maybe I want a Crawl boys army and I've now progressed to I definitely want a Crawl boys army <laughs> and I'm actively buying Gut Rippers and Bolt Boys at the moment. So yeah, good to see what they did.
3: You already did the Dominion stuff, right? Yeah,
1: so, I've got yeah. the Dominion half painted already, so I'm not that far nice. off having an army. And it was nice. His was like a really nice mix of stuff. Like he had the Nine Bolt Boys, which did a lot of work, but he also had, you know, some of the monsters and things. I mean, Gobzrak mm-hmm. did, I think, literally nothing the entire game. He stood there, that and maybe he rep. cast one spell, but then again, Gargant wasn't the list that he was ever going to do a yeah, lot against. No.
3: So. The I two Sludge Rakers. Yeah, the slodrick and is about really sixty
1: Well, yeah. just like five Marbut Trogoffs seems like the way forward. That, the yeah,
3: they do seem very incredible. good. Um, I was being recommended to ally one into a trog army because it is killier than any of the trog
0: army trogs. <laughs> it so. was
1: extremely killy. Like Kragnos is quite tough, and the Marbut just absolutely murdered him.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. very fragile
3: though. That's the that's the downside to yes. them, right? Yeah, the whole yeah. army is, isn't it? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, it was a fun game. Um yeah, and my opponent was really nice. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, disappointed not to win, but could have been worse.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough.
1: How about uh, you? Rich? Rich?
3: Awesome. So me, I was playing a very nice guy called Sean, who was playing a different Slaves to Darkness list, not an Archon list. So this was like Belakor, Karkatrak Lord, Sorcerer Lord, War Shrine. 40 cultists in two big blocks, 10 knights in two blocks, and 10 warriors. So I it's guess an like... actual Slaves to Darkness list. An actual Slaves to Darkness I mean, you think of like Slaves pre... I would call this like pre-pandemic Slaves to Darkness. Mm. Um, I've definitely played lists similar to this at events before. Obviously, things like New Bellicore weren't around then, but they're they're a good army with some variety, so it's interesting to see this. I've got to be honest, I went into this game really low energy, and... Um, a Combination of like having been drinking on Saturday, catching up with me, um, not really eating much breakfast, thinking I'll get it at a venue, and then uh, not realizing oh, yeah. that breakfast wasn't being served on Sunday, probably not being as militant with remaining hydrated as I had been on Saturday, even like in between beers. And I think like also not having a um, having a friendly game was nice, but not having like a tournament game, so I'd had a couple of hours to just sort of sit and like credit to my opponent. This game like completely turned me around and I was really enthusiastic by the end of it. And I think like we had a good back and forth, we had a lot of fun. We were playing power and numbers. So uh six objectives, burn them, and the points you get sort of dictated by how long you've held yeah. them. Uh so I gave away turn one and he sent like powered up a big block of cultists and sent it forward, which by his words is like the intent of the list. Mm-hmm. Power of block cultists, let it remain. The, um, the snake cultists. Uh no no. no it was um sorry, I'm saying cultists, what I mean is marauders. Oh, uh, marauders, okay. Yeah, a I've written down wrong in my notes. Um two by four, two by twenty marauders, not cultists. Oh, uh,
0: okay. Interesting.
3: So the point being that they you're always rolling at least an eight to charge because mm-hmm. they turn their lowest dice to a six and they've got an eight plus one. Instead of really good early, you can you can put like um, I think you can put oracular visions on them to give them re-rolling saves. You can you can you can make them quite killy. Uh, they're not amazing. Uh, they took one of my backline objectives, turn one. Um, that was about all that happened really. Some spell casting. I took it. I managed to take it back in my turn one, which uh, turned out to be pretty critical later in the game. Uh, and then sent the coach forward to shoot some of the other units of cultists and try and sort of be a distraction. Carnifex, as you'd say. Um, which worked. I was really pleased with how well that worked. I actually won the double, but gave the turn away because I wanted advantage on the turn three priority roll uh, because in an objective, like a game like this with six objectives, I think being able to control that by taking one away is really important. Possibly biggest brain thing I did all weekend, I think, in terms of like thinking ahead and being tactical. Turn two and three, we sort of like he mobbed the coach. Really, kind of like failed to kill it with warriors and cultists and Bellacor, even like that's the coach's job, right? Yeah, and meanwhile, it was like continually powering up and blasting mortal wounds into it. Lady Alinda was staring into various units and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, just mowing them down by lifting lifting that veil. Yeah, just sort of a bit back and forth for turn two. Um, he actually won the turn three oh sorry in turn two he took my middle back objective and one of my flank ones that I'd sort of like intentionally abandoned um and he burnt both of them straight away and burnt one of his for four points total which at the time I didn't say anything but I was like I think that was a massive mistake to give up half the objectives on the board for four points. Hmm. Um, it didn't, like, it ended up still being pretty close, so...
0: Especially in that one, if you hold an objective all game, it's worth eight, right?
3: Yeah, like, it, it really
0: escalates, like...
3: So, my turn too, he dark-mastered Elinda with Bellacore, so she couldn't do much, and he'd also cast a spell on her that meant, besides spell and ability, I'm not sure, I think it's a spell, that just meant any time she cast a spell, she took D3 mortal wounds. So she was kind of just sat there doing nothing for that turn. Coach kept whittling stuff down. I deep struck two units of Blade Geist in the back to start challenging one of his objectives, which I took and burned. So at this point, there's three objectives left on the board, which means I can like really focus them. He actually won the turn three priority and chose to go. So I went second and Talking about my big brain play from earlier, I completely forgot that I could burn an objective here. In hindsight, I realized at the end of his turn and was just like, We're absolutely not doing like a take back here, because it's it's absurd. It would have changed yeah. how you played and completely. so unfair. So, you know, it's a thing I could do. I forgot to do it, my bad. In hindsight, I'm quite glad because I'm not sure how it would have turned out if I had. But yeah, my turn three, you know, more ghost fighting happened. I realized sort of on his turn three, I kind of passively asked what his battle tactic was. And he Mm -hmm. said it was to keep priests alive. And his only priest was the war shrine. And I realized that like any, like I was doomed if he got any kind of point swing, basically. So I basically dedicated my turn three to killing the war shrine. Mm -hmm. So Alinda and the coach teleported out and then, Unloaded a load of mortals into the war shrine, charged in. I retreated some blade guys. Where I, I think this is when I did Alinda's like return models to units. And for once, I think I returned like seven or eight across the board, which is quite nice for that. Uh, I healed some more in with the Guardian of Souls spell, and then retreated that sort of revitalized unit back to charge it into the war shrine and do more mortals. And then Linda finished it in combat. So got that swing. Kind of killed it to death. Tried to take his backfield objective, but couldn't quite, because he still had knights and warriors kind of half contesting it. I didn't have enough battle line there. I kind of screened some other stuff. I then managed to get a double turn into turn four and sort of like solidify on the back. Uh Really kind of like build out the screens around other stuff. And yeah, burn his back objective. The screening managed to deny him a battle tactic as well, which kind nice. of closed the lead. Yeah. And we realized if it, we realized it was still really close, and it came down to round five priority. And at this point, I think we had like six minutes left on the round. You did,
0: yeah. I was, stre- I was and everyone was getting stressed, especially
3: Tom Link. So I think we were like one of the last games. Um, yeah, he was stead over your shoulder at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. shaking his head. Um, <laughs> we rolled it. I got it, which meant I just burnt all the objectives for like a uh, like a ten or eleven point swing in my favor. I think. I know I won by nine overall. Um, there was no way yeah. he could have killed all my Wizards in his turn, which meant I got my Grand Strat as well. Yeah, Denying him the one Battle Tactic, which obviously he could still score a Battle Tactic in turn five, but benign- denying him his turn four, mm. one. Also got my, the point there for scoring more. Yeah, really good game. Really happy with how I played. Um, really fun all the way through as well. We were laughing and having a good time, like I said, after that game. I felt like the inverse of I did going into it in terms of just like general health and mental <laughs> state. So which is not often true of the end of a tournament, obviously. So the healing power um, of what happened. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it was it was super fun. Um yeah, really good. Like things do come down to those turn rolls sometimes. Mm. I think we, we mathed it out afterwards and like it was odds on if he'd won that priority, we would have ended up on a flat draw. So but. You would have denied his ground strat, right? So uh, you that probably including the Grand the Grand strat, Grand strat, including the ground strats, including ground strats, yeah. So um it was really close, but it was a fun game. Yeah. That's the one I have the most notes on because it was the like the most uh, well, it was the most exciting one that I didn't also drink three pints of beer through. So <laughs> and you got your no memory of it, And I yeah. got a win. Yeah. So one and four. What a result. Although one or three. One of them doesn't count because it was only Chris. Only yeah. um, <laughs> Chris. Yeah. Yeah, what did uh, or it was only a friendly game versus Chris, I should say. Uh, what did our other three do this round just quickly? So so... Chris beat
1: Cities of Sigma yeah. I think, in a game that ended up being very silly because to get his grand strategy, Chris had to kind of play, he was trying to make all of his units fight, which meant he couldn't kill things too quickly, and it ended up being very silly, but it sounded quite fun. Yeah, I I
0: think he Showed us a picture afterwards of like these, him doing the most inefficient possible pile ins, creating weird congas to try and ensure he didn't kill the Saliston Prime so that more units could fight it, uh, which is fun. <laughs> I think yeah, this, he, I, I don't rate that grand strat that he chose, I don't think. Um, uh, I mean, in sort of a team event environment, I think it's good enough that it unlocks other. It frees one up for other people, right? Yeah, but, I think it's what it is. Is it's playable, which not every Age of mm. three book has a playable grand strategy.
3: And <laughs> to be fair, like it saves you choosing like uh, the one where you have to hold pieces of terrain or mm. something. Which
0: yeah, mm. also, daughters generally they're quite fragile, so taking something like hold the line is quite risky. Definitely. I think
3: yeah. So Yeah, at least you get points if you get tabled on, on the one he chose. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I think the other interesting thing about this game is that he was against a Gotrick. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, lesser spotted, great crested Gotrick. He used to be the terror of uh, the gargant dominating era of AOS 3. But um, the big unit of snakes is like the perfect Gotrick killing machine, right? They're just like a bucket of. Uh, damage one attacks is exactly what Gotrick does not want us have 45 dice roll against him. Uh, mm, but which yeah. is what which is what happened. So that was a good outcome for us. Then I think Michael played uh Nurgle. Lost this one as well. This one sounds like it basically came down to Nurgle getting some very early doors long bomb charges that effectively pinned him into his own deployment zone, which is generally not how you win games of Age of Sigma. It's being pinned in your own deployment zone. So. That's quite rare for new Nurgle as well. Um, yeah, I think so it was I Nurglings. Th- it was
3: yeah, Nurglings, Nurglings and a Gargant, right? A mini Gargant? Yeah. Maybe Chaos Gargant. Yeah,
2: Chaos Gargant, the old War Scroll, well. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it was a nine-inch Nurgling charge, which he couldn't then clear in his own turn, which uh, then got him follow-up charged with some, like, Cheeky ten-inch charges from uh, stuff. So sometimes that, sometimes it do be like that. That's basically the uh, the nuggle game plan, right? It's pin you and pin and win. Yeah, Uh, pin and grind. Yeah,
3: and then incidentally, nine-inch Nurgling's One of my favourite bands. (laughs) (laughs) That one. And then
1: Luke with his nuggle had a what I can only assume was a bit of a grind fest against OBR. And all I know about this game is that The Great Unclean Run was a disappointment, because (laughs) that's pretty much Luke's battle report was (laughs) The Great Unclean Run was a disappointment. I don't know in what respect, I don't know if either of you two do.
0: So this was the other game that I think Tomlin came around with, like, two minutes on the clock, going, is this going to finish? And at that point, they were in, like, battle round three. So that that sounds like a hell game. (laughs) I think he had fun with it, apart from... Just the great unclean one being a fail son. Yeah, I think we
1: all
3: had really good games in this round. Mm-hmm. All
1: yeah, lovely opponents. Really good team.
0: Yeah, they're a lovely team who narrowly beat us. Uh, I think, again, it was a 3-3, three and three, but my win was the narrowest possible win you could have under this pack. Um, and then we had a couple of big losses. So Yeah, I lost
1: 0-20, I think.
0: Yeah, so yeah. they... They got the, they got the narrow win into that round, which meant when we uh, got to the final results, we managed to win the wooden spoon.
2: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: uh, we came dead last, which is very impressive. It's the role models' tradition, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, we didn't come dead last at Brotherhood One, obviously. So this no, is a, a downward spiral.
0: It is. I think it's it's a weird one. So the the field was very different to Brotherhood One, um, partly just because there were fewer teams. Uh, yeah, it sort of impacted the rounds that were available. Um, although, the, to be honest, there are enough teams who are sort of on our level. I think that it didn't impact us too. We didn't play loads and loads of really good teams. Basically, no,
3: didn't feel like we got ground into the dirt for a whole weekend yeah. or anything. Yeah. So, I
1: think our matchups, our matchups were of a very similar level. To be honest, to what mm-hmm. we faced at Brotherhood One, I think. And both yeah. of them, we played one team that was definitely there to win the event, and then. Some other teams who were similar sorts of levels of lists to us, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. looking to have fun
1: rather than necessarily come away with a trophy.
0: So I think I was initially disappointed by this. I think my goal was to not win, uh, not to not lose. My goal is to not win, which I achieved. <laughs> uh, no, my goal was to not come last. Um, so this is a bit of a shame. But as Chris pointed out, if you come last at Brotherhoods, uh, you get to name the Wooden Spoon Trophy for next year. So, next year's trophy for coming last will be the role models trophy, which is nice and probably more fun than coming second last. So, you know, Indeed, it's a way to yeah. look at it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm still really disappointed we came last, to be honest. Um, yeah. I'm quite disappointed in myself for only winning one game as well. I think I would really have liked to have won two. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, you know, I definitely still had fun on the day. Um, but I was quite sad when we saw the scores and we
0: were at the bottom one it's sad
3: yeah i think again disappointed enough in only getting one win that I, I might finally be coming around to the idea that it's okay to want to win actually like mm. someone always wins every, almost every game for warhammer so <laughs> it's kind of okay to want to be that person <laughs> especially in
0: a tournament environment mm-hmm you know. I think it's also, there is just such a market difference between uh, going into a game, trying to win, and being a player who's trying to win at all costs, right? uh, Oh, yeah. The at all costs is the the important part of that phrase, right? Um, I
1: think, I don't know, I did worse, I think, than I did at Brotherhood 2020, and I feel like I'm a better player now, so Mm -hmm. I guess that was a little bit frustrating, in that I would have liked to have seen that borne out in some way in the results, which it... Was not, which possibly means I'm not, in fact, a better player now and I'm deluding
0: (laughs) myself, I don't know. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat in that I did better at Last Brotherhood, but I think I was taking a much easier army to play at that event, which when you're playing against, uh, when you're swimming around the bottom, it's much easier to be piloting a very easy army because that can occasionally just cruise you into very easy wins.
1: You see, I had a very easy army to play, and I only won one game. Like. <laughs> no, the gargants and kragnos were fun. Actually, it was. Yeah, I'm glad I. I'm glad I ran that list. I think I enjoyed I think it the, more than I would have done. a Kragnos,
0: kragnos variant isn't as dumb as the four gargant variant, right? Yeah. It's slightly... well, I don't
1: own four gargants, so it would have been mm-hmm. the alternative would have been three Megas and three little gargants, which I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is clearly not the case because there's people who know what they're doing—one, four megas, But I think in a team event there is a case for the having three little ones because it means <laughs> you're better at the scenarios that have more objectives. Yeah, okay. um, which I don't think is entirely awful. But Kragnos was fun. I don't—he let me down by not really ever doing big mortal wounds to any monster, which made me quite sad. But he did kill quite a lot of stuff. so
3: Yeah, he was alright. And it seems like the threat of that. Cause some not misplays, but like it it helped you control the scenario in some games, like even if that didn't ultimately,
1: yeah. We never really matched me into any really monster heavy lists, which is well, we say we, I never matched myself into any monster heavy lists.
3: This is is what I was going to say like, I think you should both take it with a pinch of salt that when it comes to like matchups and wins, that you were both you two were doing the matchups every time, and I Mm -hmm. think like based on what i know about you and what we've talked about i think there's a reasonable assumption that possibly you like didn't always take the best matchups for yourself because you're quite focused on all of us at least having like a reasonably good time mm-hmm. and honestly like i'm thankful for that at a team event like i'd rather have five nice times than five wins at the cost of someone else on the team having five complete bustings yeah, right so definitely. Yeah, I, I think mean,
1: we were reasonably equitable into what extent we gave yeah, people good yeah. matchups and battles.
0: So I think like Chris had two pretty bad games on the start of day one, so we did intentionally try to get him the best game possible in on the round three. So you know, yeah, I think I kind—I'm of, not a huge believer in the concept of the bus anymore. Anyway, I think AOS is in a good enough place where you can try to have six matchups where there's a chance of winning. Any game is playable. Mm. There is, yeah. Sometimes rock paper scissors happens, right? Like, yeah. Sometimes if you go into a round and your opponent's got the silly storm drink, regardless or whatever, then yeah, okay. Someone's someone's going to get run over. But
1: Mm. but, I did really enjoy doing the drafting. This is the first team of I've done it for like tournaments we played among ourselves, kind of thing. Mm But this was the first like proper team event when I've been one of the people doing the drafting, and that was very fun. I would happily do that again. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Fun plus stressful. I should say overall. <laughs> obviously, when I say I'm disappointed, I'm largely disappointed in my own play. I'm incredibly proud of yeah. the team. Um, yeah, I just I do love a team event. You know, Warhammer is such a it's a hobby that gives you a real diversity of things you can do and experiences you can have. But you don't get that kind of camaraderie out of any other Warhammer. No. You know, even if you go to a singles event with mates, it's not the same. It's um, not. It's a good excuse to hang
3: out with your mates from all over the country as well. Yeah. Like, well, some of you I haven't seen
0: since 2020. So Indeed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, um,
1: we should also mention that Chris got the third place best painting did. award for his lovely
3: mummy. Yeah, so that's the achievement of the weekend really. Yes. Carrying Chris to a third place painting vote. <laughs> well i say carrying him carrying him to the he tournament himself, and then ending. and yeah. then he he carried himself through the nomination and voting process so <laughs> yeah let's not try and take credit for that yeah um, yeah, yeah. do have any like i think like it's worth saying as well like really pleased with how luke took to it if there's like first big tournament and he seemed Mm -hmm. to really enjoy it and i know like michael in the past michael really loves playing narratively and i've just been at a narrative event with him this weekend but i know he's sort of expressed like oh i like i don't know if i want to keep doing competitive stuff like Mm -hmm. i know i think he'd almost there's almost no chance he'd ever go to like a singles tournament even with a big group of friends um so I was really glad that he sort of decided that he enjoyed the experience enough last time to come and take part again, and hopefully he had fun.
0: Yeah, I think uh, he did. Yeah, I was sad he couldn't get a, a win under his belt. I think he had. Yeah. Uh, I think it was within him. But oh yeah, a couple yeah. of couple of games I think
3: slipped out of his grasp, but it was definitely there. I think. Yeah, uh, and none of us play as much probably as a lot of the people we faced off against, even yeah. on like the lower sort of team. So like you know, whereas we're a an internet based inverted commerce club, like Discord server, like is mostly how we know each other. Mm. Like a lot of these places, even if they're not serious, serious tournament gamers, are like local gaming groups that play with each other every week or
0: like a lot. So You learn a lot even playing quote unquote unserious un- Warhammer, right? Just playing yeah, exactly. the game. Like we said before, it's exactly. important Learning different armies, learning what the capabilities of your own army—that comes about through play.
3: Yeah, exactly. Speaking of our armies, do you have any reflections or plans for the future off the back of this?
1: I think I'm probably I'm probably not going to take the Guardians to another event for a while. I've been playing them; they've been my main competitive army this year. So while there was quite a big blip in the middle of the year and I didn't do anything because there was COVID, I feel like I've had quite a lot of play with them. I kind of want to do something else now, so having lost to both OBR and Fall Boys at this event, OBR and Fall Boys are quite high at the list of things I would like to play. So I have an OBR army already, um, and I might—I did consider taking it to Brotherhood, but I didn't think I knew it well enough to be able to reliably get games in within the round time limits. So my goal before the next tournament I go to, which will probably be Blackout in September, is just to get familiar enough of OBR that I can confidently play them in two hours, 45 minutes, and I'll probably try those. And then I'm going to hopefully paint the four army to play at some undefined future point.
0: Yeah, so that'll be done in about three weeks.
3: <laughs> How big is Shane oh, shame now, weeks. Laura? Like, 15 models?
1: I'm also painting a Slaves of Darkness army for narrative purposes. So, you know, that'll slow me down.
3: The narrative is Archeon wins. <laughs>
1: I'm kind of hoping that... When the new *Slave to Darkness* book comes out in the winter, it makes forty Chaos Warriors and Belacor into a competitive list, and then then it can be. But um, we'll see. Belacor is not part kind of, hope- of army. I should stress. I just painted yeah. him for fun.
0: I think we all kind of hope Chaos Warriors are good in the next *Slave to Darkness* book, right? That's the yeah. That's my mind's eye view of that army. What it should
3: be. No one wants to see marauder models like at all, especially when. The new Chaos Warriors are so nice, and the old mm. Chaos Warriors are still much nicer than the Marauders, in my opinion. Like, the Marauders yeah. are okay, so quite a lot of The old Chaos Warriors but...
1: are fine, I've been painting them, and apart exactly. from the fact they all look the same, they're completely fine. Yeah. Like, if yeah. they do just a couple of different poses, that'd be
2: perfect.
0: Yeah. 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 How about you, Matthew? Uh, yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, so, I still believe in the eels. I still, th- I'm probably the only man in the world who still believes in the eels. All the other Deepkin players there did not take them and did much better than me. Um, I think they're just hard to play, which means I'd need to play more with them. Um, I definitely would have had an easier time if I took turtle, sharks, Namatai, two boats, um, flip tides, that sort of thing, which uh, will either mean a lot or nothing to you. There's a collection of words I just said. Um, but... <laughs> uh, that would have been a lot easier to play, um, but I knew what I was getting into when I when I came to this tournament. I want to keep playing with Deepkin. I find them really rewarding to get the wins with because if you're not playing the Pew Pew builds, they are quite challenging to play. Uh, people will read the high tide rules and spit in my face for saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> if you're not... Um, Using turtle saves on a uh, 5-plus warded and the multi-unit, they are actually quite fragile. Um, and they are. You do have to be playing around your own charges, which means you have to be very offensive with a fragile army, which is not an easy thing to do all the time. Sometimes it all works out and it's fine, but not all the time. One thing I really missed was uh, from the old book, I really missed playing with the aspect of the storm, partly from a painting perspective, because I think it looks really nice. Did a nice it's a really blend. nice, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it looks cool as hell. It's just also really fun to play with; it's like a fun model. Um, but uh, just, I it got the, like the legendary triple nerf from GW, which is what they do to any model that sees too much play, unless it's Seraphim, which is nerf what it does three times. And I could have taken two of them, but one of them just makes him less fun. So his buff is plus one to wound, but it only works on riders, not mounts. Whilst that same buff exists on Lotan, who's the octopus guy, and, but he works on mounts as well for some reason.
3: And why, so, would, why would you not just take Lotan, who's like a third mm, of the price? Yeah, exactly. Or?
0: Less, less than a, yeah. But So it just really makes me not want to put him on the table, but maybe I will. For the actual future, what I'm doing at the moment is... Uh, Going back to dry brushing bone splitters. Uh, I saw a man on the internet playing with uh, 12 units of big stabbers, and it looks <laughs> that's, it that's looks such a good picture. Hilarious. <laughs> that looks oh. like the sort of army I want to push around. I don't want to have that many big stabbers, but doing lots of big stabbers looks very fun. So that's my next goal, Is and probably again, what I'll be taking to a blackout. Nice.
2: Cool. Nice.
0: Where are you, Rich? I don't know. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna
3: I'm gonna say some some reflections and then outline some plans that in no way take into account my reflections. I think. So my reflections are that, yeah, like kind of what I said before. It's like it's okay to want to win, and I think I'm finally at the point where I feel like I don't have to sort of like apologetically play. A bad army so there's no chance of me sort of like doing well like because realistically what i could be doing is like building and painting a good army and you know maybe going three and two or <laughs> two and three even that would be nice so yeah i i haven't turned that into a solid plan yet i do have a few things to add to my lumineth which i think make them better mm-hmm. i think they're in a bad place um I am crossing my fingers that one of the battle tomes on the roadmap might be a Lumineth book. Um Lumineth to it, be. It, it will yeah. make people mad, but you, like better. I do think I do think they could do with like a tightening up for AOS three and some negative stuff taking out. <sighs> yeah, I will tell you from this weekend that okay, I was playing narrative games, but like running them without tech lists, they are unbelievably like paper thin squishy. So um Yeah, I've got things I want to paint. I'm still enjoying painting those, and I like looking at them. Um, I feel like they were my experiment in, like, painting for an army nomination as well, um, Mm -hmm. which I got at Blackout last year, and, yeah, like, as expected, didn't get trophy, and I've sort of been to some other events where they've maybe, like, not gone across as well as I thought they might, based on, like, individual feedback I've had from people. Okay. So... Like, people will say, oh, these are cool. They're really nice. But then, like, I don't know. I've not come away from anything with any painting trophies. (laughs) So,
0: this is not like,
3: it's not my ultimate goal. Like, it's just nice to get nice comments about an army that you enjoyed painting. But the painting meta
0: is harder than the gaming
3: meta. It actually, like, it is. And there's so many incredibly talented people. And even within that, any one event you go to is like just basically a swing of like who's there. Who is there voting, and what do they like? Um, so you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying, that, oh, I'm definitely going to just continue doing that. But um, I'm working on some Eidneth, a thousand points of Ideneth for a doubles event in August. So mm-hmm. there's maybe potential that I actually just build up to two thousand points and take those to blackout. Um, I'm also working on some trogs, which man, they suck, but. I love the models and again they maybe are a candidate for a book before Blackout. So... Trucks are alright. Trucks are fine. I didn't know that fine. bad. Yeah. Uh, the the t- problem it with them when you're playing five game thing where you maybe like don't know the scenarios in advance mm. is they basically all want to play in a 12 inch bubble around yeah. the loon shrine so that they don't run away. Cause otherwise they're like Bravery 4 and you're running units of 6 rock guts and yeah, that's a lot of wounds to lose to
0: power shock. Um, I, also, I also think Bone Spirit is all right, so I could just be leading up the Dublin path on that.
3: Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think you've got a pretty good read on stuff, normally. So I don't know. Is the short answer like I'm not really in a position at the moment to just like randomly go out and buy an entire like new army to build and paint for like pick something competitive. So do you not think nine of- can
1: be competitive though?
3: If you stuck with that, I guess I've not even really acknowledged Nighthorn. Um, yes, possibly. I think there's stuff there. I think probably it's going to shake out that the Emerald Host is the one because just sort of yeah. ticking over passive mortals on like key units that you could choose and you don't have to be in range of or anything. It's is really so good. good. Gargant,
1: yeah, I, th-
3: I think maybe like much as the ability is like potentially laughable. And not gonna go off. There's like an interesting thing about maybe like putting a script of mortis in the Emerald Host as well, so that you've got like absolutely saturated coverage of potentially just eventually killing all of the support heroes for something. But
0: mm-hmm. um I want to put my 24 Miramon benches on the table.
3: They are fun to play, they're much more fun to play now. So yeah, yeah they have game. My Nighthorn army is like four to five years old, so it's just a little bit tired. Um, I will keep taking it out for events. Um,
0: it still looks really maybe, good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, the, scheme, the scheme is so striking. Um, and it's super and, simple to paint. Yeah, as usual, your basing is so good on them, that I think they still look really good. I was very surprised you didn't get an on this event. Oh,
3: yeah, I, I like, like I say, they're an old, old-ish army that I'm kind of like, I think I was saying to Chris at the time, like, I got some nice comments from people about them, which is nice. I'm kind of resigned to... In my head, they're just like my first AOS army. Um, it's like, a hell of a first AOS army. Yeah. It's definitely not the first thing I painted. but <laughs> um, Yeah, they're just fun realize- to paint. They're quick to paint. So, yeah, they could be competitive as well. Sorry, Lord. just realised uh-huh. we
1: didn't talk about your nighthorn highlight of the
2: event.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay, you're not going to let me get away with this. And now I've got to remember what it was that you're not letting me get away with. Um, oh, <laughs> was it when I cast Mystic Shield? On yes. yes, it was. And Nighthorn with an unmodifiable save. And then my opponent went, Sorry, what? And I said, Oh, <laughs> can can it be Arcane Bolt instead? And they very graciously went, Oh, yeah, of course, that's fine. It, would be fair, um, you
1: hadn't played with them for ages before, so we'll let you I'm off. off yeah. I thought it was
3: Yes, that, it's just because I actually found a lot with that army. So with the Guardian of Souls, Raikonor and Lady Alinda i I adopted to take the extra spells we mm-hmm. talked about this in mm-hmm. the, the list review. I adopted to take like the extra spell from the warlord battalion, yeah, but then double up on a lot of the spells. I actually just found I was without being mystic shield being like a reasonable option.
0: I just ran out of stuff to cast so often because the, of positioning the so, isn't this isn't fantastic' is it it is a weakness i think
3: yeah there's there's
1: shade mystic <laughs> silver are really good
3: <laughs> yeah those are the two it. that i doubled yeah. up on a lot and yeah. then spectral tether is good on Alinda because that's actually what a that's what won me my game five but it's also like if she's in trouble it's a really good get out as well because there's no restrictions on it being like not in combat or anything you can just go no i'm not here anymore so oh uh, yeah maybe i'll play some more nighthorn i am almost tempted to add nagash i don't think that nagash nighthorn is probably a very credible army but chimp shaking his head um I do think spell lore is probably a bit better when you're like casting it as Nagash, mm-hmm. <laughs> not as like a little idiot hero. But the old spell lore mm-hmm. was much more Nagash friendly. Mm-hmm. But that'd be a fun painting project. Trying to make oh, it yeah, out, so um, but yeah, so maybe that's a like a thing to make me excited about Nighthaunt still and keep taking them to events. I think like you're right, actually. Like they're they're good. They've got mileage. I just need to. I think, think we all more lists.
0: I think we all know you're a couple of beers away from hitting order on sith terragates.
3: That is that army lives in my head rent free, like yeah. any army that is just a load of big things. Like the thing the thing that's like constantly out of reach at the moment is like Avlanor and three other cows in Lumineth. <laughs> Uh It's just so bad. <laughs> but it's not worth the, like several hundred pound investment the other thing i could do is go back to my ogres and do the thing i've wanted to do for a while which is like the five or six stonehorn army Mm -hmm. but again i think they're due they've not had a book for a while i don't think they desperately need one compared to some other factions but they're just they're not in a great place but they're very playable still so Mm -hmm. maybe i paint a stonehorn or two here or there I don't know. I'll continue to be bad at Warhammer. I think is the short version. Sorry, <laughs> that's like three times as long as anyone else's. <laughs> what I are think your reflections? You the, so?
0: I think you had the most to reflect on, really, given you were playing essentially a brand new army, right?
3: Yeah. On a journey,
0: what a journey! Have we reflected enough?
3: Uh, we've been going for over two hours, so I yes. Know. I think we've become reflective. Did. That doesn't make any sense. We've been going yeah, for over two hours, no. so you know. <laughs> When you talk too much and go all shiny. yeah, That's the thing that happens. Right, Go on, wrap it up, Jim.
0: Wrap it up. Um, play Warhammer. Play the kind of Warhammer you want to play. Have fun. Play team events. They're good. Uh, I guess we will return to Brotherhood to defend our title in 2023. I think we have yeah. to now. I think it's legally and morally required. Yep, definitely. Alright. We should thank our gracious hosts, Tiny Plastic People. Go on their Twitter, like their posts. Uh, at Tiny Plastic Pals, tinyplasticpeople.com. Yeah. Do not look at my social media for how I have not posted. Uh, Rich.
3: Uh, you can look at my social media. Uh, I'm at Rich Nutter on Twitter. I
0: have spent
3: this weekend posting a load of nice photos from a narrative event. You have. Go look at those. Don't look at anything to do with Brotherhood. (laughs) Uh,
1: I am at scops947 on Twitter and Instagram where people have got slightly weirdly excited about pictures of Chaos Warriors recently, so go and like those, I guess.
3: Get the clout.
0: I don't know why they
1: like this picture of Chaos Warriors more than any of the previous pictures of Chaos Warriors I've posted, but they do.
0: The algorithm makes no sense. The
3: more people like your pictures of chaos warriors the closer we get to a patreon so just keep going
1: maybe some way off but still it was nice <laughs> that they got some likes
3: it's always nice to get get the uh, the little endorphin hit isn't it mm.
0: they push the button that make me feel good okay right on that bombshell i'm going <laughs> to bed uh, <laughs> bye everyone goodbye bye.